You're listening to a sermon from Oak Hill Fellowship Church, a local body of believers in Quarryville, PA. To learn more about Oak Hill, visit oakhillfellowship.com. Now grab a Bible and a notebook and prepare to be spiritually enriched by God's Word. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nicholas Freed, and I volunteer here as the youth coordinator of Oak Hill Fellowship. Now, some of you may be confused as to why I am up here after the preaching cohort is already finished, and especially after just getting Pastor Ben back from vacation. Well, I was asked to be part of the preaching cohort again a few months back, but by nature of my job, I couldn't make it to any of the meetings, and so this is the secret undercover black ops sermon for our <laughs> preaching cohort. Don't tell any of the other guys. All right. Today we are on our last passage of the second act of our study in the book of Mark. The series message has been, Now is the time to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Which is so fitting as we inch closer and closer to the triumphant entry and to the last few moments before the good news is fulfilled in Christ. Interestingly enough, we started our journey in the second act of Mark with a story of a blind man receiving sight, which, is set the, which has set the tone for the lessons Jesus has taught through the past few chapters. And now, in true Markian sandwich fashion, we end today with the blind man receiving sight, uh, his new sight through Jesus Christ, which is no more different than what Christ does for us in a spiritual sense towards our sin nature. Jesus did not come just to heal and to teach, how to teach us how to be good, but he came to give us his life as ransom. And it's only Jesus who is able to mercifully give us a new way of seeing, which brings us, which brings us to our big idea today. Jesus will mercifully give us a new way of seeing. Well, you may notice that usually the big idea is some sort of command or an action or some sort of calling to the hearers of the sermon. You might also notice that today's big idea has a big blank in it, and that none of those and that none of that is a command. That is simply a statement. If you notice that, good job. You're awake. That or you had some coffee. Well, today, instead of one big point, um, I'm sorry, today each one of our four points in the sermon will fill in that blank and give us our commands in the big idea. So instead of one big idea today, we have four tiny thoughts. You may open your Bibles to Mark 10, and we will be starting in verse 46 and going to verse 52. If you do not have a Bible, I highly encourage you to grab a Bible that's around you, either in front of you, there might be some on the ground by you. Um, that can be yours, and we would love you to have that and to lead it, and it can be your own. Um, as we all get to the passage, allow me to pray once more. Uh, dear Lord, I pray now you would just bless this time as we um, look at to your word and look at the final healing before what you've done for us on the cross comes. I pray that we would reflect on this, reflect on you, and that um, your word would be here with us today as we go through this. Um, help me to get through it. Help me not to stutter and to, that the message would be clear of your gospel. Thank you, Lord, and amen. All right, so let's go ahead and we'll look in chapter 10, starting in verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and then as they were leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, 
he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Well, earlier this week, as I was writing the sermon in the office at work during our downtime, our co-worker, Anthony, brought over some bacon for Martha and I. We didn't tell the kids. And <laughs> now, Anthony, he makes the bacon, the kind of like, the really chewy bacon that is basically almost raw, and, which is not my preference. And to my mother, is absolute heresy of the highest order. But it is free bacon, and so I had it. Um, and so I had to chew a lot because it was basically raw. And as I was eating the bacon, I heard a pop. And for some reason, the motion of the chewing and bone structure, I don't know, something like that, was the final straw on the camel's back and the arm on my glasses just broke. And, and so while I was waiting for the Gorilla Glue to dry, I had to write the sermon with my face this close to this computer screen. Um, and so we hear oftentimes people say, well, put yourself in the story. And I guess I just went a little bit too far there. Um, and so just as my sight was renewed when my glasses came in contact with glue, glue and duct tape, we are looking at someone that receives their sight back in a much more miraculous and spiritual way when they came in contact with Jesus Christ. We were looking, as you recall, in the second act of Mark, and ever since the first healing of the blind man in Bethsaida, Jesus and his followers have been making the journey closer and closer to Jerusalem and closer and closer to the climax of Mark, where it all goes down. We see Jesus, along with his disciples, and a large crowd of his followers passing through Jericho. Uh, Jericho would have been the last major city on their journey before reaching Jerusalem, and it, was, and it made clear that it was simply just a flyby visit to the city. However, we can also assume um, that this is the same visit to Jericho as the story of the short tax collector Zacchaeus. And now, after spending a night at his house, Jesus and his followers begin the day's worth journey to Jerusalem. Um, it is here, in that setting, that we see them all leaving Jericho and that we meet Bartimaeus. So let's look again back in 46 to 48. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy for me. Our first fill-in-the-blank point today is this. Jesus will mercifully give you a new way of seeing, so cry out to mercy to the son of David. Uh, when Hans was born, I told Martha, if, we have, if God ever blesses us with a second son, I think an awesome name would be Zebedee. You might remember that name from the last sermon as the father of the sons of thunder. And so last week during the sermon, when that name was mentioned, I leaned over to, with a smile and whispered to Martha, what a great sounding name. 
Uh, I think it's a great name, at least. Martha thinks it's a very silly name. Um, so you can pray for Martha that God would heal a blindness to that awesomeness. <laughs> but even more silly of a name would be something to the style of Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus simply means son of Timaeus. This sort of statement is kind of redundant. The son of Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. And it is that Bartimaeus that we find here along the roadside. We have two major features mentioned about Bartimaeus. Um, one is he's blind. And two, he is a beggar, thus allowing us to assume he was probably impoverished. During this time period, there were not many ways for a blind person to be able to make a living. And if you were without a well-off family to provide and help you, you would probably be out on your own. And so we find him in the next best possible course of action, in the middle of, a reg of his regular program schedule as a beggar on the roadside, in order that he may get a few bits of coin in order to survive. Besides being blind and a beggar, we know Bartimaeus must have also been a smart person, considering where he set up shop. The main road between two major cities is a wonderful place for a blind man looking for the charity of sympathetic people. He would have most likely been there every day, finding his usual spot, sitting down on his cloak, and would beg as the passerbyers come by to spare him some food or currency. And this would have been his only hope for his dairy routine as a blind beggar, someone who had no possible way to contribute to anything productive in his local society or anything possible, sorry, in any way to prosper for himself. It is no wonder then that when Bartimaeus hears Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, that he begins to cry out to him. We should not be confused as to why this man would know who Jesus is. It's at the end of Jesus' ministries and certainly the rumors and rumors tend to spread the fast. And as Bartimaeus sits there day in and day out on the main road, he surely would have heard with his keen ears, due to lack of sight, of people talking about the miraculous events of Jesus Christ. Just go to the Daily Grind or to the Giant. You will learn more of local news than any newspaper can ever gather. So it's no surprise that the, if this mundane snip-nip of Coryville spread that fast, the rumors and stories of Jesus would spread all over the area like wildfire. Bartimaeus surely would have heard of the mighty works of Jesus' miracles, specifically of him healing the blind, and he would have certainly connected the dots that this was the prophesied Messiah. He had all day to think about it, after all, as he sat there day in and day out. And so when he hears that this is Jesus of Nazareth passing by, this is his chance to encounter him. So he cries out to him, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, if you're a little confused and thinking, wasn't Joseph the name of the guy in the Christmas story? Uh, this is a reference to the genealogy of Christ, going back to King David. Uh, however, it is far more than just simply being related to royalty. This is the messianic title of Christ. Bartimaeus is not simply trying to impress us, impress us with his historical knowledge of genealogies, He's referring to Christ as the one true deliverer, fulfiller of the Old Testament prophecies. As Pastor Ben said at the start of this act, he is the promised anointed Savior King, the one who will establish his kingdom that will never end. Bartimaeus knows exactly who it is that he is calling out to. He's calling out to Jesus, the son of David. Christians, Bartimaeus is similar to us before Christ in the beginning of this story. 
Bartimaeus has no chance to provide for himself. And when it comes to your chances to accounting for your sin, we have no chance either. We are all born in the sin condition, and each one of us has sinned. And when we, when we take our lives and reflect it upon God's law, the, ken, the Ten Commandments, there is no chance that we could ever accomplish it, and there is no possible way you have not accomplished committing those sins. Um, and there is nothing you can do in your own power to earn redemption for that sin. Um, the wages of sin is death. And if we are to go to court on account of all sin in the face of wrath of God, our rap sheet will show we deserve the punishment of hell. There's no sugarcoating that message. Unbeliever, when it comes to sin, we are hopeless to self-atone for our sin as an impoverished blind man is to earn his own way in life. No amount of good deeds will be able to save you. A few weeks back, we talked about the rich young ruler who was looking to receive eternal life, giving his good deeds as his ticket. But as David Parker showed us, there was no admission there was no admission of his need of lack, no acknowledgement of his hopeless state as a sinner on the road to hell. But here, Bartimaeus, there is a cry of mercy, an admission that there is nothing that he can do on his own accord, and an admission that hopelessness is the understanding that sin condition is what keeps us from the presence of God. As David said in that sermon, we must admit our lack, our need of a Savior. Romans chapter 3 reads this, The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who have believed. There is no difference between Jew nor Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all who are justified freely by His grace through redemption that come by Christ Jesus. No matter what we may like to say or try to accomplish, we cannot pay the debt of sin, by, not by any of our own means or good deeds. The evidence is laid out in court. The punishment is prepared, and the judge will bang the gavel. And thus we must be like Bartimaeus and cry out for mercy to the son of David, for it is only Jesus who will mercifully give us a new way of seeing admitting that we are a sinner and that we cannot atone for it. Now, you may have missed this, but when we read the passage, there's actually more than just one blind person in the story. And if you've been paying attention for the past few weeks of sermons, you may even remember these extra blind people. If you turn back a few pages, back to chapter 8, starting in verse 17, this is right after the feeding of the 4,000, and yet the disciples are getting distracted and warning that they have no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? And it is these same followers that re- of Christ that rebuked Bartimaeus for calling out to him. Our second fill-in-the-blank point today is this. Jesus will mercifully give you a new way of seeing, so do not hinder those that would come to him. Jesus will mercifully give us a new way of seeing, so do not hinder those that would come to him. Throughout the summer, we have seen Jesus' disciples and followers have displayed over and over their own blindness to who Jesus and his purpose truly is, despite them saying that they understand. Yet it is 
yet they are still totally missing the mark of their mission. And if you remember back to the first sermon of the summer, you would remember the blind man being healed, first partially to a blurry vision, and then being healed in whole. This, is, of course, was a sign to the disciples because, uh, because their spiritual sight had not yet fully developed. Pastor Ben listed the many blind spots that both the disciples and followers put on full display, showing that they are still a little blind to who Christ is and what his kingdom is. There was no misplaced expectations, as shown by all the disciples, but specifically Peter, setting his mind on man-made things instead of the things of Christ. Their misunderstanding of the word, as though multiple times showed their understanding of the Old Testament laws, was so skewed towards self-performing instead of God's grace. Their continued status-seeking, asking who is the greatest, requests of special recognition, rebuking those who cast off demons in Christ's name, and for rebuking the children for coming to Christ. The self-righteousness, which was on high display in the rich young rule, seeking eternal life through his own works, and their unacknowledged unbelief, when they tried to heal in Christ's name, but not through Christ's power, and, and through their own power. All these blind spots continually skewed the disciples off the purpose and mission of Christ's kingdom. The disciples just kept banging their heads against the upside-down values of the kingdom. They think they need to be the big shots. And they think that it's the first shall be first, and the first is the best. Um, they don't think that it's a master's... They think it's a master's kingdom and not a servant's kingdom. Let's recall back to Jesus' words last week. You know, starting in verse 42, you know that those who are considered rules of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whosoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be the first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. All right. Jesus laid out the values of the kingdom, plain as day. And then we go to the next verse. And they came to Jericho, and as they were leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, blind Bartimaeus was sitting there begging and began to cry out to Jesus. And many rebuked him, telling them to be silent. And yet, despite being totally blind spiritually to the things of Christ, it is these same disciples and followers that dare rebuke a blind man for calling out to Jesus. It's just absolute pure irony. The blind rebuking the blind for being blind. The disciples remind me of that one Brian Regan joke of the me monster. The kind of person who everything they talk about is about me, myself, and I. How dare that beggar interrupt my mission with Christ? We are on the way to Jerusalem for Passover. The journey will take up my whole day. We have no time to stop. Which, by the way, why are we stopping for some dime a dozen impoverished blind man? What, would, what could he possibly provide and contribute to our kingdom? Plus, didn't Jesus reject that rich young rule? He had plenty to provide. So I doubt this blind beggar is worth all time. After all, we're Jesus' crew, and we understand it all. We know what's best. The disciples must have loved that one Tom T. Hall song, Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out. Me and Jesus got our own thing going, and we don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. 
It's a shame that song is so catchy because it's so theologically dead. <laughs> In regards to the disciples, Alistair Begg puts it this way. How can you be a disciple of Christ and be a hindrance to those who would want to come to the one you are a disciple of? Now, we like to poke fun at the disciples, especially Peter. But Christian, is this not us at times? Are we not tempted to do the same? Our series message is that now is the time to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Pastor Ben, at the beginning of the year, gave us the encouraging goal to share the gospel with at least one person this year. Well, have you? Or have you had the same blind spots as the disciples? Are we, mis- are we having misplaced expectations like the disciples? And when that moment comes to share the gospel, we see it as too much of hindrance to whatever important things we got going on that day. Have you been misreading your Bible and thus have elevated other priorities as the focus of your message and not the message of God's grace and love through the gospel? Has status-seeking blinded you because you are afraid of what they may think of you? It might make things awkward after all. You might lose some friends. Or maybe you are sharing the gospel, but it's through your own self-righteousness and you go it alone on your own efforts, blinding yourself to the true power and grace of the gospel. Or perhaps you don't even try anymore out of an unacknowledged of unbelief that God could save that person as if him saving them would be any different from him saving you. And church, I am calling myself out as much as anyone else. We were all once sinners, hopelessly blind to all, um, blind to it all, with no way to atone for our sin. And yet, Christ mercifully gave us a new way of seeing. Do not hinder those that would come to him. Instead, we must call them to Christ. Even though we tend to fall short, short, is it not so wonderful that it is Christ in charge of our kingdom and not us? That Christ is there to rebuke us, the rebukers, reminding us that no, they are not a hindrance. They are my child. Now call them to me. Is it not wonderful that though that through Christ we are still a part of this kingdom of God and that he still uses us to call the lost despite our flaws? Looking back at the passage, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. Excuse me. You know, I kind of vibe with Bartimaeus because I used to be in an obnoxiously loud high school that when people told me to be quiet, I would just ignore them and get hyped up and be even louder still. Some of you might be saying, Nick, you still all that way. To which I would say, no, I'm not in high school anymore. (laughs) In all reality, the truthful vibe check would be putting me along with the rebuking disciples. And yet, Jesus still uses the disciples to call Bartimaeus to him. What patience and grace. That despite their failings and despite being told over and over and yet still not understanding, Christ is still graceful enough to involve them in the process. At that point, though, 
I can imagine the disciples are probably wishing Jesus wouldn't involve them in the process. Can you imagine how humbling and embarrassing of an experience it would be to one moment tell this guy, hey, shut up. And then the next moment Jesus says, hey, call him. And so then you go over and hey, hey, uh, take heart, he's calling you. Sorry about that. <laughs> now, of course, Bartimaeus does not care who the messenger is because he already knows who the sender that is calling him. We continue in verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Our third fill-in-the-blank point today is this. Jesus will mercifully give us a new way of seeing, so joyfully believe in him and receive it. Jesus will mercifully give us a new way of seeing, so joyfully believe in him and receive it. As we already mentioned, uh, already mentioned, Bartimaeus full well knew who Christ is by calling him the son of David, a title that is no other, that is full none other than the son of God. It is no surprise that as he sprung up, throwing off his cloak to get to Christ, the one he knows is able to heal his blindness. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Once again, showing a slave to all message to his disciples. Does anyone remember the last time Jesus said these words? Just back in verse 36, when James and John came to Jesus and asked him to do whatever they asked of him. And they asked Christ to grant them status, to sit on Christ's left and right hand in glory, and to be in a position where everyone would notice them and respect them and honor their position. And it's through Bartimaeus that uh, Jesus teaches the disciples once more that if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least. In his kingdom, you must be a slave to all. And Jesus takes this position as he asks the question to Bartimaeus. And all, Bartimaeus, and all that Bartimaeus asks for is out of a cry of mercy. Unlike the previous request of the sons of thunder, Bartimaeus knows he's deserving of nothing, which is why he cried out for mercy. Mercy meaning to get what you do not deserve, what you cannot achieve. And so, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Some of your translations might say Rabboni, uh, which is simply just a higher intensified form of Rabbi, holding a little more weight to it. In Luke's account of the story, Bartimaeus calls Jesus Lord or Master. And out of great mercy, the great promised anointed Savior King takes the role of a servant and does what the beggar requests. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on his way. Your faith has made you well. Your translation might say something like made whole or has saved you. Uh, there's a dual meaning here. Bartimaeus immediately recovering his sight through Christ is a physical representation of the spiritual reality of Bartimaeus' belief in Christ. That Bartimaeus believes that he is the hopeless sinner, yes, but that Christ is the promised merciful Savior. As John MacArthur points out, this is a model of a true conversion pre-cross. There is no doubt in his mind that Christ is Lord. He knows that Christ will mercifully give him a new way of seeing. And so he believes and recovers new sight. <clears throat> and it's this conversion in verse 52. Um, I'm sorry. And this conversion is confirmed in verse 52. And he followed him. 
Isn't it interesting that instead of Christ telling Bartimaeus to follow him, he says, go your way. That is because his way is now Christ's way. There's no other way now for Bartimaeus. Him casting, throwing off his cloak aside as he leapt towards Christ can be seen as throwing away all he knew before to be with Christ. And all he knew before was just a blind, begging man, which is not really a useful resume for someone who can now see. Interesting enough, Bartimaeus is the only named healed person in the book of Mark. It is also an interesting note that since there was no point in the story where Bartimaeus tells someone his name, it's possible he went on to follow Christ to the end, becoming part of the early church um, we see in the book of Acts. Maybe becoming friends with Mark since Mark is the only one that names Bartimaeus in this account. Um, Who knows? It's all speculation. Maybe we can ask him how things turned out for him when we reach heaven. But what we do know right now is what it says right there in the verses. He followed him and went on the way. Our final fill-in-the-blank point today is this. Jesus will mercifully give us a new way of seeing, so go in your new way. You've confessed your sins. You've received the gift of new sight. Now go in your new way. And so, Bartimaeus goes in his new way to follow Christ on his way to Jerusalem and to join Christ and his followers during the triumphant entry. And of course we know the visit to Jerusalem was not just a pleasure visit. Christ did not just come so he could be praised on his donkey during his entrance. It's part of it. But the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom on the cross for many, including Bartimaeus, including the disciples, and including you. It is through the cross of Christ that a way has been made for all sins to be atoned and come into the presence of God of whom we were once separated due to our sin nature. Just as as Bartimaeus was once separated and outcasted by the disciples, Jesus called him near and he was brought into his presence and given a new way of seeing. It is a beautiful picture of the great work that Christ did on the cross. Christian, have you been going in your new way of Christ? Because I will let you know, your life before Christ is just being blind, begging for change. There is nothing for you there. You cast off your cloak and came to Christ. Why would you return to that ragged old cloak when Christ has already covered you in his robes of righteousness? Remember, my brothers and sisters, we are now dead to sin and alive in Christ. We are no longer slaves to sins, but servants to the Almighty King. Do not allow your old nature to tempt you to your old blind ways. There is nothing for you there. Go on your new way, because Jesus has given us the ability to see that new way and pertaining to hindering those who would come to Christ. If you were on an airplane and the stewards whispered in your ear, hey, we're going down, and only told you, would you just keep it to yourself? Or would you go and tell everyone on the plane also that the plane's crashing and they need to put on their parachute? And to the unbelievers who are still blind to the glory of Christ, and the merciful gift of salvation from your sins he offers. I pray that God would soften your heart and that you would in turn 
would also cry out for mercy to the one true King who is able. Christ is here. Your opportunity is here and now. He is passing by, and in a twinkling of eye, either by death or His return, your chance to call out to Him will be gone. Why would you wait? Why stay as an outcasted blind beggar settling for spare change of what the world provides for you? All the world can provide for you are but bandages that will dull and jade you from the truth, truth that you are still blind and need a Savior from your sin. If you have a huge wound down to the bone and it is filled with pus and infection, you cannot simply put a bandage over it and say it's good. That wound will kill you and you need a doctor. Catch my urgency. Many of you will put it off until tomorrow or continue to push it off to the next day and the next day and the next. Saying things like, well, I'm not ready. I don't want, I want to wait till it feels right or well, I want to do my own stuff before I get committed to that. And I'll do it maybe now and maybe later. Um, don't be foolish, friends. If you were on that plane and that person came and told you that the plane's going down and that it's out of gas and the flight's going to crash, would you just wait to put on your parachute till you noticed that it was time to go? Or would you just leave it under the seat and be like, no, I don't need that? No. You would ride the entire flight with your parachute on, ready to go. And it's, that parach- it's not the act of putting on the parachute that saves you, but it's the parachute that saves you. My friends, do not harden your heart to the gospel of Christ. It is only the cross of Christ that can heal you and give you a new way of seeing. And when that time comes and the law is laid out before you, you are guilty. And the ransom and punishment is far too high of a price and far more than you can handle. Christ is offering his resume of righteousness in place of your rap sheet of sin. Why would you settle for simple band-aids to the symptoms of your sin condition when the cure to the disease is right in front of you? Call out for mercy. Christ is able and willing to save. He will mercifully give you a new way of seeing. Thank you for listening to Oak Hill Fellowship Church. Stay connected with us by finding us on social media or by joining us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Until then, remember that you are loved.